And hello, everybody. It is Tom Chenault, and it is Adrian Chenault, and this is the Network Marketing and Leadership Show. We got a big show for you today, but I want to talk a little bit with Adrian about what happened to us yesterday with that GoPro Recruiting Mastery Accelerator Program, because that was just epic, wasn't it? It was really phenomenal. Hundreds of people trying to figure out how to be better network marketers. And it was an interesting show because I was floored by how many people loved it. And the reason they loved it was we, we taught them the who, not the how. And how everything that happens in the world of network marketing and in your success resides in you becoming a better you. And then taking that on and showing people that that's the way to go. And this guy is unbelievable. His name is Coot Blackson. And I accidentally got hooked up with a guy. Somebody sent me a note out of the sky blue on WhatsApp saying, you need to interview this guy. And WhatsApp is always kind of suspect to me anyway, because they're coming from someplace far away. And so I decided to look at what he does. And I started falling in love with him. And then I find out he's written a couple of epic books and the story of his survival is something beyond belief. And I want you all to listen to him hard today because it's an inside job, your success. And you look in the mirror, you say, how come I don't have the BLTs with people? And the BLTs is why don't people feel like they belong in my tribe? Why don't people get how much I love them? Why don't people trust me? And why don't people feel safe with me? Because if all four of those are present, I am telling you, everybody's with you for the long haul, no matter what you're doing. It is literally a dangerous weapon that this guy has mastered. So you're going to fall in love with him. What do you think of him, Adrian? I couldn't agree more. You know, it's so, it's so cool when the, the right person shows up at the right time and even more cool when it just kind of like inserts itself from God or the universe in me. Like, where did this guy even come from? And so I, I have really enjoyed getting to, uh, a feel for what Coot is all about. And so, Coot, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Well, I have to tell you one more story because it's so funny. <laughs> you will get to talk at some You're point. You're going to get to talk. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to interview <laughs> you. But I, and, you know, everybody that's on the show, they always are very, very surprised that I don't ever send them questions or answers or anything because I kind of let God drive this bus, which is what his book's a little bit all about. But I decided to do a lot of due diligence on him at the very beginning. And one of his podcasts was so great because he's talking away and one of the questioners said something rotten to him. He goes, you know what? I That just proves to me you never even read the book. And it was so cool that you had the guts to call him out that straight right out of the gate because the guy was full of happy horse manure and you <laughs> had the guts to tell him that versus be this politically correct little wimp that most people are. So I want to thank you for that. And how you doing, Coot? It's great to be here, man. Uh, guys, it's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I've been looking forward to this tremendously. Yeah. So tell us a story where, I mean, talk about your dad, talk about your life, talk about how you got to this great place because you came from literally nowhere, unbelievable obstacles. And here you are. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. Uh, we had to flee Ghana in a 
political coup. My father was the spiritual advisor and teacher to the president of Ghana at the time. And so they killed him. My father happened to be in London. We couldn't go back. And so my mother and I were stuck in Ghana. We were smuggled out of the country, literally, to London, political asylum, stuck in London. And that's kind of where the journey began. And so for me, my first memories as a young boy, I always felt a deep calling to serve people, a deep connection to humanity. I, I felt people's pain and suffering so deeply that there was a deep sort of un, insatiable drive to try to alleviate the suffering of humanity in some way. And uh, my first memories, just so people get a context, my first memories too was being around age seven, age eight. Uh, I saw a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on. My father picks up the sand, she's crippled, wipes on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up in this environment of, you could say, spirituality, of miracles. And for me, it was normal. I didn't think this was anything strange. And uh, this was my life, age eight. Uh, my father had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London, a uh, very spiritual man. But age eight, I was thrown in, the, in front of an audience of about four to 5,000 people. And my father said, speak. And that began my speaking career. Age 14, I was ordained as a minister, uh, given the mandate to take over my father's entire operation. I was the successor to and the heir to his empire, spiritual empire, so to speak. Uh, but I knew that that wasn't my path at 14 when it was announced. Uh, my heart sank. You know, the feeling of my entire life has been planned out for me by my father, by the community, by everyone else, all of these expectations. But everything in my heart felt that this was not my path. And I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the courage to own my truth at 14. I, my fear was if I dared to be who I was, if I dared to be myself, if I dared to speak my truth to my father, who I love very much, uh, I would lose his love. I'd be an outcast. I'd be alone. And so I said nothing for four years and it took me about four years to muster up the courage. As I looked into my future, I saw that I could be successful by everyone's standards, you know, the fame, the money, the fortune. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my heart, if I didn't have my authenticity, then what do I have? And if I lie about who I am to get love and validation from my father and anyone else, then I'm going to have to lie for the rest of my life. And I projected into my future and I saw age 20, age 30, age 40, like my soul dying. And then I felt this at 18, I felt this calling, you know, I felt this calling to come to the US, all of the uh, self-help books. And as a young kid, I started reading, you know, age 12, age 13, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Mark Victor Hansen, Deepak Chopra, all of this sort of motivational giants. And these were my these were my Michael Jordans and they all happened to live in Southern California. And so I, I figured this was the Mecca and I wanted to go into this field and inspire people. This was a dream and vision. And uh, when I had the conversation with my father, told him I'm not taking over. I felt this deep calling in my soul to come to the US, to come to America, to come to Los Angeles, and I dared to follow that. And uh, left everything behind, told my father. We didn't speak for approximately two years and uh, followed my dream. Cut a long story short, ended up winning a green card, literally a green card in the green card lottery. Wow. And that's, 
And that's what brought me to the US following a dream. And I really believe that if you really follow your, your truth, if you really dare to be who you are, if you follow that deepest, most authentic impulse in your soul, you are being guided. We are being guided, whether it's a dream, whether it's a vision, whether it's a business, we're being guided. And I think, you know, encoded inside of us is this encoded inside of every one of our dreams is already the seed for its fulfillment. We just have to really say yes to it. So I followed it a thousand dollars, two suitcases, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of books and seminar, Jim Rohn seminar audios came to Los Angeles, $800 that began the journey. And I went and found teachers and mentors and traveled the world in search of answers. And years later, here I am. Did you get to meet Mark Victor Hansen on any kind of? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got involved with a multi-level marketing company way back called TPN and people like Mark Victor Hansen, Jim Rohn, Les Brown. They were all there. I had no, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, in multi-level. You need to know people. I didn't know anyone, but uh, probably in the course of a month of not knowing anyone, I probably enrolled like 150 people by riding up and down the elevators of, Wilshire, of the offices in Wilshire Boulevard, harassing nice looking people like yourself. Uh, people didn't know what the hell I was selling. They just knew that there was this passionate kid that after like the 20th time of being rejected, I think they had some compassion for me and uh, decided to come to my meetings and I ended up enrolling them. So it was through that that I was thrown on stage in Dallas at a company convention and, and imagine this, Jim Rohn is on the front row, Les Brown is on the front row, Mark Victor Hans is on the front row of the, the auditorium and uh, I got to speak, you know, at a, as, a, as an 18 year old kid sharing my journey of like coming from London with nothing and I got to speak and that's how I got to meet Mark Victor Hansen and Jim Rohn and Les Brown and some of my, some of my icons and turned a dream into reality. Mark's a really good friend of ours and he's got a new podcast and I am going to call him after this show and actually maybe Denise or somebody could tag him right now to even get him on because yeah. it would be great for him to be watching mm -hmm. you because you are a service to this planet and all this abundance is not scarce. I guess that makes sense. And so <laughs> I, can't, I have no idea what just came out of my mouth, but I do want you to know my wife. Uh, another reason I love you so much is because I brought the two books that you sent me Amazing, right here home. And so we had two books. So I started reading this one because it's your most recent one because I knew you, we were going to have you on the show. And my wife grabbed that other book and would not let it go. And uh, I just want you to know that you touched and she's like deep. I'm like not deep. You <laughs> touched her soul too, my friend. So you're making a difference all over this world. And so what is it you want to accomplish? I mean, here's a kid that really, really chose his own path. What are you going to do with it? What's what's the big plan for what you're going to do on that? How old are you now? About 25, 30, what? 22 years old. I'm, I'm, I, I like to say that I'm ageless, you know, I'm yeah. ageless. I, I've been in the U.S. Uh, about 20, 22 years. So you do the math, but I'm, wow, I, I, I'm ageless. And I believe the soul is ageless. For me, my dream was to impact people. My dream was to impact millions of people. As a young kid, you know, what, what a lot of people don't know, I, I came from nothing. And we lived behind my father's church. And I would sneak into my father's church every night uh, with the lights off. My, my bedroom was so small, it was the size of a tiny bathroom. And I had dreams that were so big that I was sneaking to my father's church in the middle of the night. And I would speak and give seminars for two, three, four hours a night in the darkness, imagining myself 
uh, inspiring millions of people around the world. And so this has always been my vision to serve, to inspire, to help people remember who we really are. When we're born as children, we're born free. We're, we're alive. We're, we're fearless. But through the process of life, we get conditioned and we start taking on beliefs and identities and stories about ourselves that aren't true, that end up limiting our full potential. And so I want to help people remember that we have the power inside of us and help people reconnect to that. And that's kind of what happened to you in your own way, Adrian, because, I mean, you know, you, he was on the fast track to giant, giant accolades in the corporate world. And he just all of a sudden looked at that ladder he was climbing. And although he was headed <clears> to the top, halfway up, three quarters of the way up, 90% of the way up, he realized he was indeed going up that ladder, but it was leaned against the wrong wall. Yeah. And he took, he took that step back and said, am I willing to trade my soul for all of these trappings? And he said, no. And the little punk went all the way back down to the bottom. <laughs> his dad in this initiative called contactmapping.com, which we're going to talk about in the break. But, you know, you are two brave young men. And I have nothing but immense respect for that. I didn't get there like that. I didn't make a choice. Destiny <clears throat> made the choice for me. And so we're going to take a break. But after this break, you want to stick around because this guy is somebody you're never going to forget. But you want, where's it? Where are we going for uh, more info? Kootblackson.com. Koot, K-U-T-E, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. We'll be back right after this. This is the Genesis Communication Network. You are a professional. I have a heck of a talk show host. host. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so we're now at the break, Coot, which means two things. You can cuss. <laughs> and uh, we talk, we only have one sponsor on this show, which is contact mapping, cool. which my belief level in contact mapping was a 12 on a scale of 10 until this week. Wow. And it went up to a 20. Wow. And the result of that, the reason it happened was because of a guy named Paul Blanchard from Ogmandino, which I'm sure oh, you're familiar with, yes, yes, and yes. the Habit Finders, because he sent us a video where he recommended contact mapping to all those crazy Habit Finders people, and they are hitting us like unbelievable. And wow. I'm just, you know, to see the outside world discovering what he and Rick Manelius and Elizabeth Larson and Jason Kohler have built is unbelievable mm. to me. So Adrian, mm. take it away. Yeah, you you talked about Paul and, and Habit Finder, and so you know the the com this company called Habit Finder is is sort of the the trustee of the Ogmandino family, uh, all of their you know assets and and all these things, and they're the steward of carrying that message forward. And what they realized is that you know they needed to take you know the scrolls and all the, all the amazing stuff in, that Ogmandino did, but they needed to you know move people into the place of not just reading and appreciating this stuff, but like really living it into their lives. And so they developed this, uh, this assessment that's really cool. Uh, and if you go to habitfinder.com, just a plug for those guys, because they're awesome. You can take this thing for free. It's called the unpersonality test. And it really is. It's not like anything I've ever done before. But what was so cool is that we connected with them. And there was this moment of realization that what needed to happen was that they were helping people to understand where their blockages were. And so much of the blockage is internal, but a lot of the blockage as well is that you're, you don't have something that is enabling you to live into 
who you want to be that you want you know you you in, you have this desire to live live through relationship to live through contribution and we offer the tools and the resources to help people to do that with contact mapping and so we've been partnering together it's been really powerful and it just it, it's turning into this sort of match made in heaven and we're having a lot of fun with it and cool you will agree that the power of human connection mm. is mm. like the opposite of addiction mm. and people don't understand that and i stole that quote from by the way from this book right here called who not how that's not my quote but you definitely need to read this book too. And it will tell you everything that Coot is all about. And the magic of surrender is an epic read for you because it goes into what it means to be a human being and the importance of surrender. And we're not gonna talk about that in this next segment. We're gonna talk in the segment after that because mm -hmm. the guy is a beast and you'll understand that this is the only answer. And that's what we want for you. But between here and there during the contact mapping commercial, we sent you the link for the free habit finder survey interview. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. The assessment. So yeah, if you go to contactmapping.com slash HF uh, and Jason, maybe you can throw that up on the screen. You can take it for, you can take that assessment totally for free and it's really cool. And, and if you do that uh, and you're, you're interested, drop me a comment and just say uh, session and I will invite you because Paul's going to come and speak to us on Monday and, uh, and talk. Yeah. I didn't know and that. so uh, to our community. So anyway, so super excited about that. Contactmapping.com slash HF. So go check that out. And we're going to come back from the break. And we're back. Welcome to Genesis Communication mm -hmm. Network. I am happy that you're still with us. If you did not during the break buy Coot's book, I am coming to your house because this thing is an important book. It's called The Magic of Surrender, and you want to get it. Magic of Surrender at cootblackson.com. And the reason I'm enunciating so much is because the people on Genesis Communication Network are listening on the radio, so they can't see the book on the screen. So that was the tip from Tom. <laughs> so I wanted you to all buy this thing because I'm telling you why, what? Nothing. I want to ask a question. If it's good enough for my wife, it's good enough for you. And she loved it. So therefore you should ask the question. <laughs> I, I'm so intrigued by number one, how young you were when this happened, you know, getting ordained at 14, having this yeah. period of looking forward into your life. You know, what do you think that that's a pretty insightful thing for a 14 year old young man to have discerned to look into the future and realize that you couldn't go down that path what do you think gave you access to that level of of like self-understanding at such a young age you know it, it i don't know if it was anything special other than when it was announced my father announced to his entire congregation my son is taking over something in my heart in my soul that was beyond my mind, beyond my logic. Something just didn't feel right. It was my gut, it was my intuition, it was a deeper feeling. And I think so many of us as human beings, we feel this misalignment inside of us. We all have access to it. We feel it in the body, we feel it in our heart. We feel like mm, something's off, something's not quite right, something's not quite in integrity, but we ignore it. 
And I think one of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings from going to the next level, from transforming our lives, from breaking through, from healing, are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. We stay stuck in relationships that we know it's not quite right for us. We stay in jobs that we know it's not quite aligned. We know that this is not the purpose of why we were born. But I think many times we're afraid to tell ourselves the truth because we're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of what will happen. We're afraid of not being loved. We're afraid of rejection, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think we have to start to truly get in touch with what we really feel and ask ourselves the question. For me, I didn't have the questions formulated in my mind. I just knew that something was off. Many times when we feel the truth, as we mature and become adults, we, we drug it away, we sex it away, we drink it away, we work it away, we social media it away, just so that we don't feel the truth. But I really believe the truth sets us free. And sometimes people might say to me, well, how do I know that I'm lying to myself if I'm lying to myself? Usually a couple of ways. Number one, uh, it, it might manifest the misalignment, the out of integrity might manifest in your life as some physical ailment like back ache, neck ache, shoulder, you know, eye ache, shoulder ache. It will manifest as a physical thing. It might manifest as a disease if the lie you, if you're telling yourself lies and living out of integrity and suppressing your truth consistently, it may manifest as a disease. It might manifest in that you will you will feel some emotional uh, discord, depression, resentment. Uh, you might feel physically tired because this is another sign. You might even attract people in your life or manifest people in your life that project, that act out the internal anger, frustration of you not living in alignment rather than you owning it. You attract people that reflected and acted out for you in your life. They're kind of acting out your unconscious. And so I think the place to begin that I wasn't consciously aware of when I was a kid, but I started to become aware of as I grew older was, Ask yourself these questions. Number one, what lies am I telling myself? Just begin to ask without judgment, without trying to fix it. What lies am I telling myself? Number two, what am I pretending to not know? Because in so many ways, we keep ourselves stuck because we play this game of I'm confused. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what's right for me. I don't know if this relationship is right. I don't know what I, I don't know what my purpose is when deep down, there's a part of us that knows. Sometimes there's a fear of owning our truth because we're afraid that we'll no longer have anyone to blame. So long as we, we don't know, we're confused. We always have someone to blame for why we're not successful, for, for why we're not happy, for why we're not making or creating the results we want. And so I think, ask yourself, what am I pretending to not know? Give up the game of confusion and really feel and sit with the third question. What are the lies I'm telling myself costing me? What is it costing Oh my gosh. That's a place to begin. True. Yeah. And so it just felt off when I was a kid. It just felt off. And I looked into my future and I saw that I could be successful by everyone's standards, the world standards. But if I didn't have myself, what do I have? And I let myself feel. So feel the pain of the misalignment. Don't distract from it. Don't deny it. Feel it. And let that pain move you forward. Let that pain motivate you to take different actions. Okay, we're going to take a break. This was a short segment, but man, was that, I'm sorry, Adrian about killed me when I just went, <laughs> oh my gosh, because he knows something that I, you guys, none of you know, and that's a little bit of a lie that I've been telling myself. And so I, I'm literally sick that I had to come to grips with last week that has been owning me for over a month. And what's so vivid is how right Coot is. So if you're telling yourself a lie or you're covering something up, 
or if you're ashamed or you're guilty or anything like that and it's owning you, don't let it. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. That was hilarious. That was. <laughs> I'm serious. That was like my conscience coming out of my mouth. And Adrian looked at me like, what the heck did you interrupt him for? Yeah, that was too cute. All right. So here's the deal. This is a sad day at this radio show, and it's a good day on another side. We, Marianne Niehaus has run this show for the last seven years, and she's been our executive producer. She's been this rock star for the last seven years. And she decided to move on from us, not because of it's any kind of fight or anything like that. She just is going to really, really, really spread her wings in the world. She's got the time and she's got the money to do it. And she's going to go out there and change the world in her own way. And we are all about it, but we're very, very sad because she was a very big part of what we do. But we had, we got this guy named Andrew Siv, who is now run, is a Siv or Siv? We should probably know the answer to that question. I know. We're going to learn his name. But anyway, <laughs> we'll know that by your one-year anniversary, Andrew. But at the end of the day, we got this new guy coming in, and he's uh, like Jason Kohler's right-hand man. And so we've got a really, really good team here. And we welcome Andrew, and we're weeping about Marianne, and I just want to say that. So yeah, that's it. I had to call her 20 minutes before the show and I thought she, I'm sure she was just waiting saying, Oh, she's so happy. She's watching now. You know what sure she is. So Mary, <laughs> if you're watching, we love you. And if you're not watching, we hate you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. So, right. All right. Coot, you move to Los Angeles or Southern California, you know, you don't know anyone and you have to figure out a way to cultivate connection and find your way. What did you learn about human connection in that process? Um, I knew no one, literally not one person. Um, one, the most important thing I began to learn was that I, you have to care about people first. You have to care about people as human beings. That was a foundational thing. Like I had this, you know, I got involved in multi-level marketing as at 18, 19 years old. And I, was like, I, I wanted to sell this product, but I realized it was about the connection, the human connection. People wanted to feel cared about. And when they felt cared about as human beings, then they cared to listen to what I had to say. And that was an epiphany for me, you know, because it went from no one's listening to me. I got this great thing to, wow. Let me just connect with you as a human being. And that was that was a light bulb went off as, as a young man. That's amazing. So do you remember, like, was there a moment where that that light bulb really went off for you that you remember in your journey? Um, yeah, I don't know if there was one moment, but I, I, I just I just, you know, I would ride the elevators up and down. Worship Boulevard in offices, you know, and just harass people like, like you guys. <laughs> like, no, like, not like us. We're the opposite of that. You know, man, but just like nice looking guys. Like I harass you. I just, I got this thing. I got this thing. I got this thing. I got this project. I got this thing. I got this. And people would reject me. And, and you know what? Every day I'd show up and every day I'd get to know people a bit more. And how's, your, how's, your, how's your life? What's going on? There you and, go. And just, and just each day I got to know a little bit more about an individual. So by the 20th time I got rejected by, let's say, Jim, I was like, hey, I'd come into the elevator. Hey, Jim, it's cool. We had a connection. You know, how's your wife? How's your kid? Because I'd accumulate all this knowledge about Jim's family and his life throughout all this time. 
And then finally, he'd say, okay, I'll come to your, I'd come to your meeting. I'll come to your thing. Uh, okay, tell me, talk to me. And so it was just consistently developing the connection. You were a born contact mapper and you didn't even know it. Doug Stare, <laughs> I can feel you leaving your house right now to head for an elevator. Don't do it. <laughs> this is so exciting, but that's exactly right. He developed the relationships, but yeah, that's what we do. It's called the coffee shop interview. And there's an easier way to do it now, Coot. So we're gonna we're gonna really help you in life. <laughs> you know, the name of the game is other people's stages. And we're going to get you on some podcasts. The world needs your message. And it's not like you're not big enough already, but it's like Mark Victor Hansen and Pete Vargas say, you can't be enough on other people's stages. Sure, and we're sure. going to help you with that. Yeah. So we're going to come back right after this. Only one more commercial to go, folks. We'll be back. <laughs> and we're back. It's the Network Marketing Leadership Show with Adrian Chenault. And my buddy, my new friend, Coot Blackson, and I want you to buy his book with every fiber of my body. It's going to make you a better person. The guy is disarmingly honest, and it is so refreshing. And you can't feel any agenda out of the guy, which is even more beautiful because there's no sales going on here. It's enrollment, and he wants you to become a better human being. So take it away, Adrian. I had a thought, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Surrender. I wanted to understand the more. Talk about this book more. Talk about why you wrote it, what it's about, and why people need to buy it. <clears throat> this was not the book that I thought I was going to write, guys. This I had an idea of the book I thought would sell, the book I thought would be New York Times bestseller, the book I thought people wanted. And so I had all of these ideas one day on a board, on a, on a mapping on a board, and one day, literally, it was like the soul of the book just dropped. And I realized all of the things I thought the book was about, the essence, the common denominator was surrender. The book was inspired because in 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. The woman I was, I loved the most, the woman I was, the, she raised me literally single-handedly. It was a complete shock, but I'm very blessed that I got to spend an entire year flying back and forth from LA, privileged actually, flying back and forth to take care of her, to be with her for days or weeks at a time. And uh, I'll never forget when the doctor said, you're gonna die. They're like, there's nothing else we can do for you. I looked at my mother and I asked her, this is where the, I think the genesis of the book was planted. I asked my mother, are you afraid? She said, no, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not just this body, I'm a soul. And I said, what can I do for you to be a good, to make the last days of your life, you know, happy and safe and enjoyable? She said, there's nothing that I want. I said, so what can I do? She said, all I want is what God wants, is what life wants for me. And I realized in that moment that the key to her peace was she was totally surrendered to life, to whatever happened or whatever didn't happen. That was the key to her freedom. Then once she passed away, I started reflecting on her, on my father, on my life. All of the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, that the key to all of the great ones, that they surrendered themselves to a vision, to a mission, to their soul, to something bigger than themselves, to life. And life began to express through them and live them and manifest through them. They moved beyond their ego-based way of living to a soul, to an infinite-based, infinite way of living. And what life was able to do through them, because they were out of the way, was more than anything that they could have manifested on their own. We often think that surrender 
It's a misconception. Surrender is weak. That if you surrender, you won't manifest your desires. You won't get what you want. You won't, you won't be happy. You're going to be a doormat. But I actually believe that to surrender is the most powerful thing that you can do. Just to clarify, what does surrender mean? Surrender is to let go of control. Surrender is to try to, to stop trying to manipulate and force life into your limited idea based on your ego, your limited idea of how you think life should be, to really let go of who you think you should be, the life you think you should be living so that you can truly open to the magic that life has in store for you. And look where it led Mandela, you know, look where it led Gandhi. I'm sure they didn't expect that the journey would lead them where it led them. But I think what life, when we truly surrender and open ourselves to being lived by life, we move from an ego-based paradigm, which I think is an old model, even in personal development, which asks the question, what do I want? Which is the old goal setting paradigm. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Many times we get what we think we want based on who we think we are, only to be dissatisfied. I invite people in surrender to ask the question, what is it? And this is the shift. What is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is the deepest impulse of what life wants to create and love and, and manifest through me? Then we tap into the total intelligence of the universe. Now we've gone beyond personal power to soul power. Now we've, begun, we've gone beyond ego power to, uh, to the magic of surrender. And so I tell people, if you want magic in your life, You've got to surrender. You want more magic? You've got to surrender. And so I'd invite people to think about what is it you need to surrender and let go of. The next level of your life, the next level of your purpose, the next level of anything requires that you let go of the old. You can't manifest the new holding on to the old version of who you are. And I believe that when we let go of what is no longer aligned, then we create the space for more magic, more life, more blessings, more miracles to manifest in our lives. We've moved beyond personal power to soul yes. power. Yes. Guys, that's where it lives. And I look at all the great things that ever happened in my life. I'm living in that little piece of pie called what Tom Chenault knows. That other piece of pie, much, much bigger, what mm -hmm. Tom Chenault knows he doesn't know. But all the great things that have ever happened to me, including meeting my wife, all the incredible things that have happened, all happened in that big part of the pie called God's got it. Yet I spend my entire life mm -hmm. trying to manipulate those two pieces of the pie like an idiot. Unbelievable, Coot. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. So this you you had this moment of of epiphany through the passing of your mother and, and reflecting on her life. Yeah. How as you reflected on your own journey where did where did you see surrender show up and and how do you how do you see yourself sort of living into that that mentality or that aspiration of surrender in your life today yeah i, I think more and more what i have learned to give up is this idea which is really a myth that i'm in control and this idea of the need to constantly know everything uh, the need to know is another sort of ego's tactic to try to control. As Tom, you said, you have a plan. Oh, I'm going to meet my wife on this day in this coffee shop at this time in this moment. It just, it unfolded. If we look at so many of the best things that happened in our lives, they just, they happened in the process of living life. And so what I've learned to do more, 
more and more, what I invite each person to do is give up the need to know what everything means because we are constantly meaning-making machines, assigning meaning to what something is. The challenge is we don't realize that the mechanism, which is our ego, our identity, our personality, that is making a meaning about what this means, what this means, what this means, is conditioned and limited by past programming. So many times we are actually limiting life. We don't realize we're limiting the moment. We're limiting our vision. We're limiting God, the universe, this intelligence. And so when we're willing to to live in the, the not knowing, the degree to which we're able to live and dance in the not knowing is the degree to which we're free. Then there's no limitations on life and the future. Then we are truly available and open to the magic. And it is beyond us. Life is beyond us. That's when we tap into an infinite stream. So for me, I've been really practicing uh, over the years, uh, the, giving up this idea, thinking I know anything. You know, it's like, I don't know. That, that doesn't mean you sit on the couch and you don't, Exercise. That doesn't mean you sit on the couch and don't, you know, put in your work. To me, part of surrender is you give 100%. You go in the direction that feels true. You go in the direction that feels authentic, deeply authentic. You surrender to your truth. You go into that in, into that direction, but you let go of any attachment to the outcome. Because sometimes not getting what you thought you wanted is actually the biggest blessing. There's so many times when I thought I, I what I wanted was what I wanted only to realize that, wow, thank God that relationship didn't work out. Thank God that job didn't work. Thank God that project didn't happen. But many times at the moment when things don't happen, we're not always able to see from the ego's perspective the, the blessing and uh, the intelligence in that moment because our perception is limited. So I've really learned and I invite everyone to just try it. Like, I don't know. Live in the not knowing. But it's not a collapse. It's an open-hearted I don't know. And surrender is that open-hearted willingness to participate with life in that sense of like, I don't know, but I'm open. I don't know, but I will give 100% without limits. That's our part. So surrender still comes with responsibility. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so amazing. And one of the things, so he alluded to my sort of having climbed the, the wrong ladder moment, yeah. I, you know, I really identified with what you said about this sort of like you're feeling this misalignment that's starting to happen between the way you're living your life and what your heart is telling you. And I stayed in that place for a really long time and it just became more and more and more and more painful. Yes. Until it got to the point where I, I had no, I had to make a change. I had no, I had no choice. My life was going to, my life was completely unmanageable in the place that I was. Mm. And it didn't have to get to that point, you know, and, and I'm glad I, I'm, I'm thankful that it did because I learned the lesson that I have now learned. Uh, I could have probably learned it an easier way if I was listening to people in my life. But what I, what comes from that inside of this surrender that you're talking about is, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of moments of suffering along the way. And part of what I think I'm learning from these experiences is like what feels like suffering in the moment it there there's something deeper behind this and i don't see it yet but yes. i I've, I've been you know i've done this enough times that i you know i can acknowledge that it's painful but i can also hold the hope that there's something that i just don't see yet that this is taking me in a place in a new direction that i need to go in 
the unit I believe, and, and, and from a higher perspective, the universe is always working for our highest good. Even, and that's a belief that I've seen, you know, validate over and over again. Universe is always working for our highest good, even if we can't see it from our own identity or ego perspective in this moment. However, sometimes when we don't get what we want, uh, it, it can it can feel like a death. You know, like, oh my God, the dreams, the visions, the relationship, no, it can feel like a death. So to truly move into surrender, there's, there's acceptance, but acceptance isn't surrender. To truly move into surrender requires that we, there's a phase in the middle, that we grieve. Death, surrender is a death. Surrender is a letting go. Surrender is an expansion. It's a letting go so we can allow more. So one of the phases that's important is to allow yourself to grieve, to grieve the relationship, to grieve the dreams that weren't, to grieve uh, the end of something so that we don't carry that old energy of sadness or heaviness with us that, that blocks and clouds our ability to fully receive the new possibilities and the new life. Grieving is a key so that we can let go, not to wallow, but so that we can release the old and embrace the new. That's so, that's, that's really profound. And there's, you know, it, there, it, it's, it's a whole person way of looking at it, right? Like it's, yes. you, you're not repressing something. No. You're not trying to control. You're sort of, you know, the ego is sort of the white knuckles. And instead it's like, you know, you're holding on to something that's tiny when if you would open your hands, there's this, there's so much more out there. And so, I think that's a really important lesson. We're about to take another break. So during the break, go to the magicofsurrender.com. That's where you can go and check out this amazing book from Coot Blackman. You can also go, or Blackson, sorry. Uh, you can also go to cootblackson.com, K-U-T-E, Blackson, S-O-N.com. Uh, go and check out what this guy's up to. It's really, really powerful stuff. We got one more break, and we will be back right after this on the Genesis Communication Network. All right. That was amazing, Coot. So thank you so much. So here's one of the things that I've been curious about, because I, I, I was checking out a couple of podcasts that you have been on. And uh, and one of them uh, was you, you were talking about surrender as it as it impacts relationships. And so how, talk about how does this concept of surrender show up in the way that you interact with others in the world around you, whether new relationships or relationships that you've had for many years, wherever you want to take it. You know, I mean, we could go in many directions with that, but I think surrender as it relates to relationships and falling in love in a sense is a surrender. You're, you're, you're surrendering your sense of control, your identity, you know, your sense of I'm separate and you're separate. So you're, you're surrendering to a, deeper level of oneness. And so that's a sort of spiritual level of surrender that's happening in relationship. But I think also in relationship, surrendering this idea of how we think the relationship should be, right? Or who we think the, who we think the person should be. We often have all of these expectations that we project onto relationship as a way to keep ourselves safe, to control the person to control the relationship to stop ourselves from getting hurt to get our knees met to be loved to be validated and so i think what we have to surrender is our idea of how we think the relationship should be who we think the person should be so that we can open to the most authentic way of relating with another person and and not try to fit it into a certain box or a category 
And I, I think that's that's the beauty when we surrender. Say, okay, what is this relationship seeking to be? How is this relationship seeking to unfold? Then I think we can open to the magic rather than trying to fit the relationship into our idea of how we think it should be. Then we're not in a relationship anymore. You know, we're in a we're in a prison. And, right. and, and, and to me, that's that's where love and connection and true intimacy doesn't blossom with another person because we're not really relating to the other person. We're relating to our idea of who we think the other person should be. And it has nothing to do with the other person. And the other person doesn't feel seen, heard, understood, you know, validated or loved in that sense. Yeah. Uh, there's so many layers of, you know, when you really think about it, I, I got married at 20, three years old, 22 or 23 years old. And wow. you know, thank God I, you know, I, I was put together with somebody that we have really been able to grow up and grow into people that we, you know, like it is deepened together, but it, you know, it could have, that, that was <laughs> right. Like it easily could have been a different way. Yeah. Like, you, know, you just realize it, that there's so much projection and so much, like stuff that is not actually that other person that yes. is interfering with your ability to truly be related with a spouse. Mm -hmm. And I think that that shows up in all kinds of relationships, not just, a, you know, an intimate relationship, but just in the way that we relate to somebody else in business or in, in, in any sort of relationship, you, as you become more aware of these things, there is this increasing awareness that you're, there's a story that is that you're projecting onto that person that isn't really who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the greatest gifts I think we can give another human being in relationship is to really see who they are yeah. beyond their conditioning, beyond our project. Cause many times we don't see who people are. We, we see through our lens, through our projection, which is conditioned. So we think we're relating to another, but we're not. And so I think one of the greatest gifts we can give someone is just like to really see them. That's a blessing. Yeah. That's in that that's intimacy. Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to switch back to the main show. And we are back. You are listening to the Network Marketing Leadership Show with Adrian Chenault, Tom Chenault, and our amazing guest, Coot Blackson. This is our last segment. And if you are just joining the show, you really, really want to check out what Coot is up to. Uh, you can go find him at kootblackson.com. So K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. You want to check out his most recent book, The Magic of Surrender. Uh, phenomenal stuff. The people, you know, I, I'm always interested uh, in the people that endorse books. I, I'm, I'm, that's always, I think you really learn a lot. And there's, you know, so many amazing people that have had such wonderful things to say about your work. But Martha Beck, uh, Denise uh, my stepmom, Tom's wife, who's who's watching the show live, Denise has spent a lot of time with Martha Beck, and she is just amazing. And uh, you know, there's there are people that are very generous and that show up a lot on the back pages of books. Martha is not one of those people, and so for her to have uh, endorsed what you're doing is a huge deal, Coot. So well done, Denise. Love you. Thank you, Denise. You're yeah, amazing. she she should have been here. She's the she's more she's two times as deep as Tom and I combined. <laughs> so that we'll, we'll have to have you back and Denise can ask you some next level questions. But, sure. uh, <laughs> sure. So, uh, so you, 
you've got the book out, you, you know, you're out here spreading your message. You know, what, what do you think is next for you? Could you know, um, I, I, I'll be honest. I'll answer this as really honestly. Uh, I used to have all of these ideas as to what I thought was next. And I have a sense, you know, uh, my, my vision is to reach millions of people. My vision is to inspire people to remember who they are on a mass level, speaking and teaching and seminars and, you know, globally, for sure. Um, but I'll also say that um, I surrendered how that should look. And my prayer more than anything, my meditation more than anything, I, I invite anyone to adopt this if they feel, more and more when I wake up in the morning, I really simply ask universe, life, God, use me in the highest way possible. Use me in the highest way to serve humanity. And I don't always know what that would look like. You know, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I'm starting a supplement line. I'm, start, I'm, I'm starting all these ventures that honestly I had no idea that I'd be starting, but that's where the universe is moving me, you know, in different ways. And so uh, I think it's just I want to be of highest service to life as possible and to be used in the highest way possible. That's really my deepest intention. The details, you know, other details. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So for our radio listeners, uh, one look at Coot and you probably want whatever supplements. He <laughs> I was going to say, who'd buy comp- <laughs> who would buy supplements from this guy? He looks like a. <laughs> so like good, that, that's really cool. So, that, you know, that's, I mean, that's a pretty, certainly has some level of connection to what you're doing, but that's a pretty big uh, step in a new direction. Where, where is that? passion coming from for you yeah there's a combination of supplements and there's real estate and and just i feel like part of my path you know the universe is expanding me into a real deep sort of business entrepreneurship uh direction and uh part of the supplement journey was i i love health i've always been passionate about health but being born in ghana when i was going back and forth to ghana uh once my mother passed away, I was literally going back to Ghana every three to four months to be with my father, who I wasn't that close to. But I just decided, you know what, I'm going to love this stubborn guy and, you know, serve him and love him as a son. And I started to realize that there was such deep wisdom in Africa when it came to knowledge, when it came to culture, but also when it came to herbs, people would heal themselves. And so there was a kind of a vision that started to be downloaded that I wanted to um I wanted to share some of this wisdom as a way of adding value to humanity in the West, is take some of the blessings of Africa. And many times Africa is, is, is not painted in the uh, most positive light, you know? And, and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to share the beauty and wisdom of the gifts of Africa with, with the world and, uh, and add value? And so that's, I started getting a vision, uh, I felt being nudged to me from my mother on the other side. And, and so, that's, that's part of the path. But I really feel that uh, I'm going to be expanding a lot in different ways and, and finding different ways to serve people at different levels. You know, some people come to my events, some people won't, but maybe they'll, you know, tap into supplements or this or that. And, and so there's, there's many ways I want to touch people at different levels. And you're living down in Florida now? Yes, I'm living. I'm living in Miami. That was another surprise. I had no, no, no idea, but I'm just following the flow. Universe took me to Miami. I was in LA 22 years. Wow. Well, this book's great, you guys. And the piece about his mom and the passing of his mom will bring you to your knees. So you want to buy this book, The Magic of Surrender. 
This guy is the real deal. We've loved having you on the show. I knew it was going to happen. We need to connect because I've got people that can help you. Thanks. And uh, I know you can help us. And all we want to do is be around like-minded people trying to make a bigger difference. And I think you're going to notice if you watch the show that I didn't say much today because these two guys are about 40 miles deeper than me. And that's what I want because getting a, I came by Adrian's house the other day and I pull up in the driveway. He doesn't look up and he's got this glow about him that was unbelievable. And I finally got his attention as I was halfway up the driveway and I said, what are you doing? And he smiled at me with this sweet five-year-old smile and he said, I'm praying dad. And that's what, that's what you guys remind me of twins. And it really, really <laughs> made me happy that you've got that kind of relationship with a God of your understanding, just like he does. And I'm extremely proud of that for both of you. And thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really honored to thank you. All right. I have no idea who next Sean, week's guest Sean G. Murphy next week. No. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a terrible show. Don't watch next week. All right. <laughs> we'll see you all later. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Network Marketing Leadership Show. We're out of here. Thank you, Kut. Thank you.